have you ever not gotten a joke that I've made? I don't think I don't think so. I okay. think there might have been one, but so yes. Okay, um, I'm good to go on my end. Yep, I'm good. Yeah. Um, are we recording? <laughs> and I'm good to go. Um, if you want. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that does not control the horizontal or the vertical, but for the next hour or so, we will control everything that you hear. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So this week, um, as always, uh, business as usual, if this is the first time you're listening to us, we're going to talk the news as we always do, and then we're going to talk a top five list. But we do have some uh, business to discuss up front, because over the next couple weeks, you're going to hear some changes in the normal show format. Um, and it's really your news, Peter, so sure. do you want to talk about it a little bit? Um, yeah, I've uh, been recruited to be part of uh, the Starship <laughs> Troopers, so... I'm going to go fight some space bugs. Oh, I'm just right. kidding. So Peter's going to be gone. <laughs> no, um, actually, uh, me and uh, my wife are happy to uh, be uh, almost, she's, how do I want to phrase this? I'm about she's, to have a baby She's boy. ready to pop. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to have a baby boy soon, so, uh, and it's imminently coming, so I probably will be out for a couple weeks. Uh, in the upcoming weeks, so. Well, as our listeners are probably saying, congratulations. Exactly, Um, thanks. (laughs) So this is a very good thing, this is a very exciting Mm -hmm. thing, I get to be a nephew, uh, sorry, I get to be an uncle all over again, Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, which is awesome, Uh, so I, of course, wish you guys the best of luck, and, you know, uh, yeah, happy trails, (laughs) I guess, and welcome to the world of fatherhood. Uh, With (laughs) that being said, so Peter is going to be taking a few weeks off. He is not leaving us permanently. It's really just to make sure the baby's healthy and safe and sound, and then he'll be back in a few weeks. So I'm thinking like three, four episodes tops. Um, just know that your baby's coming at the height of us going to Comic-Con and covering that as part. Uh, yeah, so, for um, sure. <laughs> so Peter will be back. Um, I, however, am not going anywhere, and I have stuff planned. So the show will continue, and we might be doing some different types of episodes. But either way, I'm not going anywhere. The show's not going anywhere. So, yeah, for sure. Um, I we're mean, not, I'm not taking any time off, just Peter and Ryan. Like I said um, a while ago, like we've done a good job of being consistent in our release schedule, and most podcasts I listen to don't do that. So uh, I think I'm, as long as we look, keep that consistent uh, my, pattern, we're good. My thing is being committed to our listeners yeah. and uh, our growing, our tens of listeners right now that are eventually... <laughs> Growing as as we can. Someday, so. someday there'll be dozens of listeners. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, anyway, um, how about this? Uh, we got a lot to cover, so let's uh, talk about what we're watching and reading. Okay, sweet. Um, so I went to see a movie this weekend uh, called How to Train Your Dragon Three: The Hidden yes. World. Have you had a chance to see this yet? Or not yet? Okay. I thought it was awesome. Like I thought it was probably my favorite out of all of them. Um, I think one I think the things that really impress me about this movie is like a like the animation and the artwork in it has just gone up a notch from like the last one. Uh, there's certain parts like it's obviously an animated film, but there's certain shots of the movie that almost look real. Like I was watching this, I was like, is this live action? You know, and then uh, also just the way the movie is shot. It's weird to say that about an animated movie, but their choice of uh, the shots they used in the film, how they composed a shot of the movie, 
I thought was really well done. Like, there's a lot of... Um, I get really into this concept of, like, having a perfect shot in a movie or, like, having a shot that, like, in a single frame can you tell a story. And I feel like this movie does a lot of that, where you have certain frames where it's like, wow, this one image they have actually tells a story with what's going on in the foreground, what's going on in the background. Um, also, just, like, the world they've created in these movies, I think, has kind of... Uh, I think they've just developed it really well, like... Uh, the uh burke the main like viking village that yeah. all the main characters live in they've lived with uh dragons for you know years and when the movie starts dragons is really really incorporated into their way of life and there's certain shots of this movie where i feel like there's the main characters in the foreground but the background has so much going on with all these different dragons and like people tending to dragons and there's just so much going on in the background and it really reminded me of uh kind of a thing that george lucas talked about a lot with the star wars movies is like to have a believable story you need to have that background be believable and be detailed so you can right. feel like you're living in it and i felt like certain scenes of this movie kind of gave me that same kind of feel. I know I'm talking this up a ton, but no, uh, no. I just thought it was a really enjoyable film. Uh, the the first, story's really good, too. So. The, first Howard, <coughs> the first Howard Train Your Dragon, for me, um, was a little overhyped. Oh, really? Okay. Um, because of how everyone raved and raved and raved about it. <laughs> for sure. But the movie itself is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And um, the second one was great. The second one was even better. And then because of the third one, I'm very anxious to see it. But the, uh, the what you're talking about, about the world building and creating yeah. the background, one of the things, and it stands out when you look at the Star Wars films, yeah. all of them, that the world that he created is very lived in, mm -hmm. and it's clear that it's lived in, and yeah. it just, it makes everything um, more of an expanse, um, and that goes for, that goes for anything you're watching. So when you create this world that feels lived in, it's always going to make you more a part of it. Yeah. So when they do that with animated stuff, and I know, I know, like you said about how they shoot an animated film because you basically can create whatever you want. And yeah. Pointing the camera is really just what you animated, animatedly, as they turn that into a verb, um, create as your scene. But there's some really cool footage of when they were creating the Star Wars Clone Wars television series that you, how they. Uh, how they framed everything and how they chose their yeah. shots and set their scenes and all that stuff. It was it's no different than um, ch setting up a shot for something live action. Yeah. So I totally understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So for sure. Um, so yeah, that movie I just thought that was really awesome. Um, I probably have more to say about it, but I won't go on and on. <laughs> um, I also watched a pretty cool show that I don't know if you watched, but I kind of hope you did. Uh, Whiskey Cavalier. Do um, you know about the show? Yeah, at all, so or? I watched the pilot. Oh, you did. What did I you did. Think? Um, I have, I have an issue. Okay. With it real bad. Okay. So, so can I preface really quick saying when I watched this show, I was like, I'm really enjoying this. I feel like this show's right up Drew's alley. So, like, I kind of okay. hope he watched it. How about this? So now I want to hear about your issue. L let me. Let me. How about? Okay. <clears throat> I'm gonna let you talk up the show a minute, and then we'll come back to my issue. But overall. I liked what I saw. Yeah. So you liked what you saw? I liked what I saw. I thought okay. it was a, just kind of like a really fun <clears throat> spy show. Um, okay. I loved the the adventure aspect of it, like where it takes... Like the first pilot episode, um, it's basically... 
the main character is an FBI agent who ends up uh, meeting uh, Lauren Cohen, who played uh, Maggie from Walking Dead. And she is a, a CIA agent, but he doesn't realize that she works for the CIA. And they're both trying to, um, I don't know the right they're word. They're trying to basically retrieve the same American, like he's like a... Whistleblower, I guess. Or I don't, it's almost like, so he's clearly an IT guy that got in trouble. Yeah. And they're both trying to retrieve Exa- Exactly. Um, but the whole, I guess the whole first episode <laughs> takes place all across Europe. Like it starts out in France, but then they move to like a bunch of different cities the scener- the scenery of it is really fun. I thought it was like kind of just a really cool adventure throughout. It was a pilot episode, so I didn't think it was like the most amazing thing I ever saw, but I am I d- enjoyed it enough that I'm looking forward to the next episode is okay. kind of where I'm at. So do you want to yeah. hear my thoughts? Sure, yeah. Okay. So When I found out Lauren Cohan was going to be in this, I thought that was awesome. Yeah. And I was kind of on board to, at the very least, check out the show. Mm -hmm. The pilot alone, as an episode, so this is, okay, minor spoiler for the show, but at the end of the pilot episode, they now have to work, so it's a CIA agent and an FBI agent, and they have to work, and they now are forced to work together ongoing at the end of the pilot. Yeah. So they they meet in the first episode, and now they have to continue on. Mm -hmm. So that's not a problem for me. The concept of everything that was going on in the episode, not a problem. Right. Lauren Cohan, she she sold me on the show regardless. Here are my issues, and they're they're glaring issues. Okay. First off, as far as I understand it, the FBI is United States intelligence. (laughs) For sure. And the CIA is international. So, the FBI jurisdiction is within the boundaries of the United that, States. That's a pretty good... And the CIA jurisdiction is global. Yeah. So, the FBI agent, even though he has a line of dialogue that says why he's there, <coughs> yeah, he shouldn't have any jurisdiction <laughs> outside yeah. of the United States. And I found that glaring. Okay. And I was hoping that it was just an isolated mission, and then at the end of the episode, they mention where they're off to, and I'm like, but you can't, what are you doing? <laughs> okay. And it was really bugging yeah. me. The other thing that bothers me is there's always the joke about CIA versus FBI, who's the better, yeah. you know, and they don't share and, like, compromise and stuff. I didn't feel it was clear enough as to how the team was built by the end of the episode. Okay, yeah. Because there's there's the one guy who's clearly her friend, and then there's the one guy that's clearly the CIA's friend, and then you have the IT guy that they retrieved. It just didn't feel like they came yeah. together. It, so, it's, it felt very like, okay, well, now you guys are working together. <laughs> I, um, I would agree with that. I felt like they had a they had a story they wanted to do, and they told the story, and then they have like five minutes to wrap it up at the end of the episode. And so they didn't even have, like, time to give a good reason right. for it. It's just like, well, well, you guys are working together now. Well, my uh, my only remaining issue is the guy who plays the FBI, FBI agent. He is, um, I can't remember his name right now. It's only been one episode. He, I don't have a problem with him as an actor. Yeah. Okay. But his character does not seem nearly as badass as Lauren Cohen's character. Oh, yeah, character. for sure. She's clearly the superior in a show where I feel that they should be equals. So, and I'm concerned that his antics will make the show silly. <laughs> Fair enough. And it'll burn me out real fast. So I feel like I got the impression that they were equal on a level of skill, but his like emotional maturity was much lower. 
which is maybe what is going to cause some screw-ups as it goes Right, on. and I just... I enjoyed what I watched, and I will be watching another yeah. episode. But <laughs> um, um, I, how can the FBI operate outside? If there's something I don't know, if someone wants to like tell me via Twitter or write into the show yeah. and say, Drew, you don't know what you're talking about. The FBI does have jurisdiction. That's fine. <laughs> but I could have swore the FBI was United States-only jurisdiction because they handle the country where the CIA handles overseas stuff. So what if they did a different approach where it wasn't FBI and CIA, but if, they just took two completely made-up... Uh, well, they could have gone CIA and NSA. Sure, and you would, and I wouldn't have had a problem because yeah. the NSA. So I feel like that was just a bad choice. On and their maybe part. I just. Um, yeah. I think I went into the show where I saw, a tr- uh, I saw a commercial for it, and I was like, okay, this looks all right. I'll give it a chance, but I wasn't necessarily expecting anything that great. So. I knew there was issues with it. I didn't necessarily like think of them while watching it. I just kind of took it for what it was. So, my, yeah. my problem was I was in. I was excited to watch it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, these commercials look fun. This looks like a fun spy show. Yeah. It was the first line of dialogue when they realized where they were and why. And I went, hmm. Yeah, like, I can it see hit that. me immediately, and I was like, "Okay, maybe it's just this one mission." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's clearly not. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully, it, I mean, hopefully it gets better, and we'll see where it goes from yeah. here. I guess, but uh, we'll see what happens. So, um, was that all you watched? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. How about you? Well, man, we're like on the watch category for a while. We, got a lot, <laughs> yeah. we actually have a lot to talk about. <laughs> I had a lot to say about how to train your drone. No, it's totally <laughs> fine. So. Uh, I'm going to, how about this? My watch category will run right us in the news. Okay. Um, so first, I watched the first two episodes of The Umbrella Academy. Oh, fun. On Netflix. I um, did watch about 10 minutes of an episode, and I had to stop it for some reason. Okay. So, so I don't know how I feel about the show as a whole. Um, I had someone tell me I really should watch it, and it was already on my list of things to check out. Uh, and what I didn't realize is, okay, so... The Umbrella Academy sounded really familiar to me. I couldn't rem- I couldn't put a finger on it at all. I'm like, where do I know this from? Until the opening credits when it says, based on the Dark Horse comics. Yeah. And I was like, oh, The Umbrella Academy. Now, I know very, very little about this Dark Horse project. But that first episode is amazing. It's phenomenal. By the end of the first episode, I'm like, I am all in. This show is great. Yeah. And then I watched the second episode, and I don't feel like the second episode was as strong, but it still kept my interest, and I'm all like, where is this going? And I'm excited to watch. I mean, very excited to watch more. Yeah. But I just don't know where it's going. It didn't feel like Titans good, and there's a little bit of a biased opinion because Titans is DC Comics. Yeah. But and Titans, like, reached boundaries, and, like, I mean, it pushed the boundaries the way it needed to push the boundaries and held my attention all the way through, and I was excited for every episode. Where this has basically got me going, I was excited, I'm still excited, let's see where it's going. Yeah. But I don't care about it the way I cared about a show like Titans. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I so, get that. I think there's a weird thing with... But that t- first episode, wow. Yeah. Um, I think there's this weird thing with TV where, like, a show is allowed a slow episode. Like, if it, there's a good episode and then there's a slower episode where they have to set stuff up because you know the episode after that is going to be good. <laughs> But I think it's when they do, like, two slow episodes in, in a row, people really start to lose their patience. And then when you have, like, uh, Walking Dead a couple seasons ago where it was, like, 
all the whole slow. season was slow until the <laughs> end and you're like come on you know so uh this is my television rule for me personally and anyone listening can you know join in on this but if you tell me to watch a show tell me to check something out i always give it three episodes if i'm not hooked by the third episode it's okay for me to stop watching Sometimes that third episode goes, ooh, I have to watch the fourth. Yeah. But eventually, like, after that third episode, you know, I always give a show three episodes because you cannot judge a show by the first episode. Hence why I'm going to watch more Whiskey Cavalier. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so that's that's my television rule. Um, have you, do you know, and here's a piece of uh, television um, education for everybody. Do you know what a bottle episode is? Have you um, ever heard that term? I've heard the term. Okay, a bottle episode made famously by the original Star Trek series from the 60s. What they would do is they would do an episode where a couple characters would get trapped somewhere. Okay. Like trapped in a room from, like there's a computer problem and they got locked in a room or they got, or there was a cave-in when they were on a way team mission and they'd get trapped in the cave and now it's trying to get them out. Yeah. What that episode would do is it would require very little special effects. Okay. And it creates an episode where it's all dialogue and it's just actors in a room or in a box or like in a tiny little predicament. So what they would do is they would have to work through the problem and in the dialogue you'd feed story stuff that would carry you further in the show. Okay. So you could talk about things that are forthcoming that the yeah. writers haven't gotten to yet or that you're teasing for later on. And what this budget what this bottle episode would do like trapped in a bottle it would allow them to save money for the big season finales later mm -hmm. in a terms of a budget. So they could okay. spend more money. So they could be like, man, we got to shove an episode in here, but we got, <laughs> but we don't want to spend too much money because we got the season yeah. finale coming. So we'll write a quick bottle episode and then we'll move on. Mm -hmm. So every now and then a television show will do what's called a bottle episode. I really like bottle episodes when they're handled properly. Yeah, okay, I can um, see that. They're really, really cool. And sometimes they're some of the best episodes because... Especially with Star Trek, it could be a problem inside the spaceship. They don't need special effects to have a character sit in a computer and type, and oh my gosh, we have another problem, we got to run over here, and yeah. we have a gas leak, and it's just all the, the special effect is just an air vent leaking. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's you never know, but sometimes those are really exciting episodes because in space, you can only run so far, and there's all kinds of stuff that could go wrong. They could kill everyone on the ship. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So bottle episodes are cool. Mm -hmm. I really like them. That's just <coughs> that's just a term that um, gets thrown out, and a lot of people don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So, <laughs> Thanks for enlightening us. No, I, I think that's really interesting. I never knew the name for that, but I think it's... I think it's cool to know that now, and like you said before, and it's, it's good weird. When and it's now that and correctly. now that I tell you and our listeners about the what a bottle episode is, you're going to be watching a television show, yeah. and you're going to get to the episode like, oh my gosh, that was a bottle episode, and it happens with every show, even the like soap opery ones, yeah, because they'll have the big finales like a hospital show where they have to do crazy special effects with surgeries and all that stuff, and it costs yeah. money to set that up, and then you'll have an episode a couple, we'll have a couple episodes before they'll do something really quiet, and it's just kind of soap opery, but it moves the story and it's yeah. character building. See, I always thought of it more as like a chess game when you have like, mm -hmm. throughout the game, you're just trying to get your pieces lined up and then at the end, hopefully you have this really good like 
string of turns where you're taking the other opponent's pieces out and you're kind of like lining up your perfect checkmate. And that's kind of how I see it as like sometimes the writers of a show need an episode or two to kind of line their pieces up to get ready for that right. big climax, yeah. you know. So. And that's kind of what it is. It's just this is the it's the build up and it's character growth and it makes and sometimes a bottle episode can make characters something that happens to a character in a season finale more have a more of an emotional weight to it because you got this really cool maybe a backstory for a character mm-hmm. you know yeah so um so with that being said roundabout way of coming back <laughs> i really enjoyed umbrella academy nice i'm planning on checking that out cool i i want to watch this one i like i said i started it and i had to stop it for some reason but i'm kind Baby of stuff, um, i assume no i think it might have just been <laughs> something else going on but anyways it was like I want to watch it, but I also really want to watch Doom Patrol, and I think I'm just going to yeah. simultaneously watch these two shows about, like, characters with special abilities living in a mansion together, and yeah, I maybe just I see which one's the Doom best. Pa- I haven't so. checked out Doom Patrol yet either, so <laughs> I know it's ready for me to go, but... Um, so, uh, then we had the Oscars. Yeah. And we're going to get to the Oscars in a second, because that has happened, come and gone. But, because of the Oscars, I was trying to get some movies in... That were nominated and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I watched A Star Is Born and I watched Bohemian Rhapsody. Nice. I've seen both of these movies. Both so uh, okay. what do you think? So I loved. Okay, I'll start with Star Is Born. I loved the first half of Star Is Born. Okay. And then the back half, I found myself getting very bored. Really? Okay. Yes. Wow. Um, and I and I think it's like right at the point. Spoiler: where they get married. Okay. From that to the end of the movie is where I got bored. Okay. Um, everything from the beginning up to about that point, that's that's actually about the halfway point of the movie, too. Um, I, everything leading up to that moment. Like, I had no problem with them getting married. Yeah, I mean, I just can barely remember when they got married in the movie. Which yeah, is I weird, think that's, but... like, right at the middle of the movie. Okay. But that's the... Um, Peter's getting a text message. No, it's all good. Baby <laughs> um, I'm worried I'm that Peter's sure. going to get a text message and he's going to have to go, oh, baby time, i got to go. Yeah. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> I loved everything. I loved I loved all of it up to the, about the middle of the movie and in the back half. I just kind of got bored with it. But what I found interesting was I found it a little in- hard to watch because it's shot so tight. Like the camera work is, everything's so yeah. close to the actors and it's really tight. And I didn't feel like I got a big good sense of like, the space they were living in. I never felt like I an expansive. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. And I don't know if like personally, like if I would have shot that movie, I don't know if I would have made the same choices. I think what I was left with is like, this is a movie that is not about the music industry. It's not about no. performing, like the feeling of performing. It's not about the audience you can have as a musician. It's literally about these two people, and that's why all the shots are so close. Yeah, and, and I, like they're and on, I got that. they're on stage, but you don't get the sense of being on stage because the camera's like right in their face, so to speak. And it's like it's really just about these two people and their lo- yeah. love story. I don't know if I think that was the best choice, even, but that's kind of what I was left right. with. With that being said, I did really like the movie uh, throughout. I don't know if it's one of those like I'm dying to watch it again, but I did appreciate it a lot now it it was nominated for a best picture and uh i what i don't understand is how a fourth time remake gets nominated for a best picture um i had seen the uh the barbara streisand one with chris christopherson i've seen that one but i did not see the previous two either way it's a fourth time remake yeah like 
it was good, but I don't understand. Like, I feel like the Oscars now are going to have to have a remake category because of the amount of remakes and reboots and yeah. all that nonsense. I mean, you do give a good point because it is a remake. It's not an original story necessarily. And I don't, don't have know how to close ha- You don't is. have to have an original story because yeah. they could go and do a remake of Hamlet. Mm-hmm. And it could just be the most astounding thing ever and be a Best Picture nomination. I have no problem with that. And we've had variations of Hamlet in the past. I'm just saying that this is a movie that has repeatedly been made that has no bearing on any piece of historical significance. It's just a movie that's been made yeah. over and over again. And somehow it... So I don't I don't agree with the choice for the nomination. <coughs> for the nomination. However, Lady Gaga was fantastic. Yeah. Bradley Cooper was fantastic. I really like the song. You know what I mean? I, I so, think it did. I mean, it did win Best Original Song. It did. Or, and yeah. I think it did deserve that. Like, I think that's a very memorable oh, song. Oh, when you, when you stacked like, that song very, up against what else was nominated? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I watched... Uh, so, yeah, that's my quick review on A Star is Born. Yeah. I really liked the movie. Check it out if you're interested. Um, I just got bored the second half. <laughs> um, and then uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Absolutely loved this movie. Um, I do have one. Inter- uh, I do have one piece of criticism for the film. Okay. Um, and this is a directing choice. Um, br- by the way, Brian Singer. Fan- I didn't know he directed it going in. I wasn't even paying attention to the director. I just knew the band Queen was very heavily involved. Mm-hmm. So I really wasn't sure. And when I saw directed by Brian Singer, I was like, oh, good for him. Okay. Yeah. So he left the X Men franchise to make Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, this is a directing choice and I didn't, I, I am, this is something I noticed immediately. Okay. Um, and when I say immediately, the movie opens, the opening credits of the movie start with Freddie Mercury in like in a hotel room and he leaves the hotel room and he's working his way down to the lobby to the, like wherever he is. And he's walking up to the stage for the live aid concert that you see at the end of the film. So it's kind of like as he's almost to the stage, big flashback and you see the, you see the life of Freddie Mercury back up to that point. Right. While he's leaving the hotel room at the beginning of the movie and working his way to the live aid stage with the credits playing the opening credits, there's a queen song playing. (laughs) Okay. Okay. This is a biopic about Queen. Yeah. Going into it, I know that it's a movie about how they made the songs. Like, you get to see them make yeah. We Will Rock You. You get to see them make Bohemian Rhapsody. We get to see them make, like, you see, and you even see the conversations of them in the recording booth. Like, oh, we need to do this now. Yeah. We need to do this now. Play, play the guitar riff again. Do that piece again. Yeah. Do it higher. Do it in the higher pitched voice. All this stuff. I feel, and I think this would have made the movie a thousand times better for me. Again, I loved this movie. But I feel that all the music that you hear from Queen should have only been played by the band in universe. Okay. So if there's a so if Freddie Mercury walking from the hotel room up to the live age stage, you either have an instrumental score playing or what have been really cool at that moment because of all the crazy stuff that happens backstage at concerts, it was quiet. Like, it just sound effects, just noise as he's passing by people and people talking and conversation and just, you know, <coughs> someone drops a mic stand in the background. Who knows? That's interesting. Or the sound of the crowd or because, something like right, that. Because, right, you hear yeah. the roar of the crowd as he gets closer and closer to the stage and then he yeah. walks, like, and that's, that would be a really, and I thought, and that's just the directing choice. I yeah. just, but then later, there's a scene where he's, like, pulling up 
in a taxi and he gets out and walks in a building and they have a Queen song playing. Yeah. But it struck me as, why are we doing that when we could have all the music Queen plays be the in-universe music? And when I say in-universe music, think about Star Wars at the Cantina. Yeah. The band at the Cantina is playing a song in the Cantina in the movie. Yeah. It's not part of the score. I mean, it is if you buy the soundtrack, but it's not part of the score. It's part of the universe that they live in. It's part of what we just talked about, living in the universe yeah. of the film. So that's my one and only criticism of the movie. That's what I would have done differently if I was in charge. <laughs> Otherwise, I love the film. It's, a, it's an interesting conundrum. I think it's like... I mean, oh, it man. did allow so them to get in a couple more Queen songs. There, that's but... the thing is, I know there's people who are watching this who are happier because their favorite Queen song right. is playing as, you know, during some montage or something. Um, but I do understand what you're saying. I also, I wonder if they tried anything like that while editing the movie together and maybe it flowed they, better with they the could Queen have. I just thought it, about so. it. I was like, at the very beginning, I noticed <laughs> it. I'm like, why am I listening to a Queen song right now? They're not playing. <laughs> right. Or if it, like... <laughs> If it was a story that was told um, chronologically, so it starts at the beginning of the story. So for the first so many minutes, like 20 minutes of the movie, you only hear Freddie Mercury listening to bands that he was actually influenced by or something like that. That could have been a choice, too. So, And um, I will say this, and then we're going to move on to uh, news because we've been talking... Um Wow, we've been talking a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, and we haven't even gotten to news yet, so this is going to be a long episode. Right. Um, we uh, we might cut some of this news. Um, we might <laughs> cut enough. some of this news. Um, there is my favorite, my absolute favorite scene of uh, the movie. It's a very very tiny tiny character moment in the film. Is when Freddie Mercury is at the hospital and he just found out that he has AIDS, mm -hmm. and he's leaving the hospital, and he's walking down this long hallway on his way to the door, and there's an AIDS patient sitting in the hallway. And Freddie Mercury's got a hat on, he's got glasses on, trying to not be noticed. And the guy, as Freddie Mercury passes him, he just goes, hey yo. And Freddie Mercury stops, looks over his shoulder, and just goes, hey yo. And turns and leaves. And the, and, the, and the AIDS patient just turns and very slightly smiles to himself. It was just the coolest moment. Yeah. It's kind of like when you're a fan and you just want to get the guy's attention to say, I'm a fan Thanks. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's just, it was just this great little character moment, and I really, really appreciated that. It was probably my favorite tiny scene of the film, and it just really, like, it, it really put the film at a just this amazing spot for me. So, no, I agree with that. That was definitely yeah. really awesome. Yeah. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, we've been talking way too long. <laughs> Let's cover some news quickly, and then we'll jump into. Uh, Sounds good. Uh, top five stuff. Uh, actually, we're top five. We'll probably go quick anyway. So, yeah. Um, so first off, Black Widow, not rated R. We talked about rumors about how it was potentially a rated R, yeah. and they were possibly looking at that. Kevin Feige basically stepped out and said, we're not going to make it rated R. It's part of our... So have, have they made a script or anything yet, or is it just... I have no idea. Okay. He just so said... it kind of sounds like preemptively, like, this will be a PG-13 movie. Yeah, basically. So. So I mean, they, it's probably going to be a hard PG-13, <laughs> but yeah. they don't want to go for an R-rated movie with one of those characters. Deadpool is a different story. X-Force is a different story yeah. uh, because they understand the value of what's going on with Deadpool. Uh, but this Black Widow will re remain PG-13 with the rest of the MCU. I mean, yeah, it sounds like a Marvel movie. So. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'm going to jump back to Oscars real quick. We're on Marvel. Sounds good. 
Spider-Man wins best animated film, Spider-Man awesome. Into the yeah. Spider-Verse. Was, oh my gosh, I was sitting on the couch when that category came up, <laughs> when they brought it up, and I was like, it better be Spider-Man, it yeah. better be Spider-Man. And uh, some people that were watching it were um, like, really, Spider-Man? And I was like, yes, it better be Spider-Man. Really? Yeah, they were like, really? Right, exactly. So, look, Spider-Man, here we go. Mm-hmm. Like, fantastic, good for you guys. Um, yeah, and they absolutely deserved absolutely it. Absolutely deserved it. Um... All right, so we're going to jump to Will Smith not returning for Suicide Squad 2. <laughs> yeah, I've heard he isn't, and uh, Harley Quinn as well. I don't so know if that's confirmed. But... Harley Quinn is not officially confirmed. Yes. It sounds like she wasn't originally in the planning, but it also sounds like with Birds of Prey, there's a chance she'll show up and a chance she'll sh- not show up. If you watch Suicide Squad, uh, spoiler if you haven't watched Suicide Squad, Harley Quinn gets like uh, busted out at the end of the film. Yeah. So she's not. she's technically not there. That so if sense. she's not yeah. in Suicide Squad 2, technically that's okay. I guess, like, <laughs> when I saw that scene where Harley ends up getting broken out of prison, I always assumed she was gonna be back in prison really soon. I was like, oh, they're gonna catch her pretty soon and she'll be back. But that is a good point. But that, like, I mean, she's yeah. not, she got out. Yeah, exactly. So technically, if she's not in the second movie, again, that's okay. Yeah. There is, um, there is a problem with Harley Quinn. Which okay, so is it like my Batman problem? <laughs> I was I was actually just talking to a friend about this where he didn't like Suicide Squad because at the beginning of the movie and uh, Amanda Waller is talking about all the members of the team that are going to be on the Suicide Squad and it's all these characters with like crazy powers or you know they have very well uh, specialized abilities and then you get Harley Quinn who's like a crazy clown girl. Yep. And it's just like, why? Why is she there? Why is she included? Do you do you want to know the reason why Harley Quinn's included in Suicide Squad? There's actually a reason. Okay, I mean, you can tell me the reason, but then I might have a rebuttal. Still, At the but... end of the day, and this is really cool. If you go back into comics, if you go back into the Justice League cartoon, at the end of the day, if you look at the if you look at the characters used for Suicide Squad. They're put together because, yes, they're going to go up against some of these superhero people and do some, yeah. you know, government-trained stuff, but they're also designed because Amanda Waller believes that Batman is the most dangerous person on the planet. Okay. I mean, that's that's well said. She knows that she will eventually have to go against Batman at some point. So, to... An- and Harley Quinn is on there because Harley Quinn knows the Batman. Okay, so to... And she's controllable the way the Joker's not. Sorry, To a movie-going audience who's not well-versed in comic book lore, who are watching the movie, and that is not described at all. That is not all. very clear. How, <laughs> you know, that's like my friend couldn't get into it because he was like, why is Harley even on the team? I think that's a very good way to defend it. I think they should they could have communicated that a little bit better in the movie. Yeah, they but, probably yeah. could have communicated that a little better, but that's... <laughs> if you look at the characters on there... in a way it's all to deal with Batman at the end of of the day because Amanda Waller and Superman both agree that Batman's the most dangerous man most dangerous human on the planet okay um, if he wanted to be so um, so yeah Will Smith is not returning though again I think this is okay because of the characters if you look in the Suicide Squad, Squad comic book that make up what is known as the Suicide Squad we don't know if Will Smith is officially, I'm not doing it anymore. He's just not going to be in Suicide Squad 2. That could just mean they don't use him for this mission. Uh, yeah. It's not confirmed that he's out forever. Yeah. Okay? It's just he won't be a part of this. So it could be James Gunn's choice as a director not to use Deadshot. 
I don't think you need to use Deadshot. We don't know what the story they're creating is. I'm a little bit worried that there's going to be no I'm, characters I'm, defeated. I'm a little bit worried too, yeah. but... Because it, it's, like, I'm worried that it's, like, you're going to walk in and it's going to be, like, completely different movie, completely different cast. And it could but be. But for some reason, it's still the second one, you know what I and mean? And it could be. So we don't yeah. I, we don't know. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is, uh, so I'm okay, whatever, Will Smith's not in this one. I mean, at first I was like, oh, shoot, what's happening? And then I thought about it, I'm like, it probably might not matter. Mm -hmm. Just because the fact that, you know... He could be doing something completely different. He That's could, true. It could yeah. be it, it could be for reasons that I'm not aware of right now. Mm -hmm. um, and then with Harley Quinn, because of Birds of Prey coming out, and she's in that, and we know she got out of prison in the first Suicide Squad movie. You know, DC has said they're trying to do one-offs and not worry so much about a shared universe. But there was a statement from Warner Brothers this week that said we have a plan now. We have the right people in place. We're doing one-offs, but we're not opposed to making them a shared universe. Nice. Yeah. So in before where they said, <coughs> before where it sounded like they weren't going to do shared universe anymore, hey, guess what, guys? Remember what I said? I said they always, with the animated films, but they're straight to DVD animated, they always, for some reason, they're all single, um, their own little entities, but they seem to follow a, a very stringent continuity. Mm-hmm. And if that's what DC's doing, I'm okay with it because in the end, there will be a shared space. Right. So, um, yeah. And they, I mean, they might even have smaller universes break off of each other where you'll have, like, the Birds of Prey universe of films and there might be a Huntress solo film, but it still fits within that little pocket right. they created there. Right. So. Um, and then, real quick, this is CW news. I want to talk about this because this scared me, but this made me excited at the same time. Okay. Supergirl could be canceled, question mark. Okay. To make way for a Superman series. Sweet. Okay. That scares me because I love the Supergirl show. I don't yeah. want to see it go away. I think it's fantastic. I think it would have been cool to have a Superman show alongside of it, just for crossover purposes. That's cool. To have Supergirl go away for Superman, I think, is a dumb choice. <laughs> okay. I want the Superman show. I just don't want Supergirl to go away. Right. Um, or you do a Superman and Supergirl show and have it and be a straight team up show. Let's do it. That'd be cool. Um, but what I was reading when I discovered this was next year's big crossover is Crisis on Infinite Earths. And if you've read the comic book Crisis on Infinite Earths, you know that many many characters died. And what we do know is they have a Batwoman television show starting. So what if they take Crisis on Infinite Earths as the big crossover for the year, and it wipes out the Arrowverse as we know it, and they have a whole new lineup of shows that come out of it, which would be just like the comic book. Right. And, as sad as it sounds, Supergirl died during Crisis on Infinite Earths. So... As much as that saddens me to think that I might be losing the Supergirl show, the fact that they're even considering something that bold is astounding. Yeah, so, for sure. I've been I've actually seen a lot of just like stuff on Twitter, people talking about like the whole Arrowverse might be rebooted or wiped out with Crisis of in uh, from it whatever. Right. Sorry, I can't talk right now. But yeah, it's um, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't know how I feel about it. It's bittersweet. But I'm also, 
I'm so far behind on the show shows that I still have a wealth of entertainment I can watch from them. Oh, so, I, you I know just, what I mean. I just look forward to Supergirl every week, and I just I think it's great, and I have a little bit of a crush on Melissa Benoist. Um, but <laughs> so I don't want to see it go away. Yeah. But for them to do something like that, it's it's the it's the idea of me wanting this thing that I love on the comic books to come to life, and you know, so right on. Um, all right, so two more pieces of news, and then we'll move on to. Uh, top five because we're moving a little bit longer than I expected. <laughs> yeah. So first off, we're going to cover J.J. Abrams on Episode Nine. Star Wars Episode Nine comes this year, this December. Really excited. It's going to own Christmas like it has in the past. It's going to be nothing but Star Wars. we got Force Friday. We have multiple Force Fridays coming. Yeah. If you don't know what Force Friday is, that's when they release all the Star Wars toys on the shelves. All the Star Wars merchandise hits a specific day of the, of the year. It's going to be October this year. Um, I just know that the, there's like going to be four separate dates, three or four separate dates that the, they're going to release the merchandise. I just know that on Force Friday, every time a movie releases, I go toy hunting. <laughs> nice. um, I do it all the time, and I always buy something. Um, so I'm excited for Star Wars in general. Any Star Wars news we can get, but they're going to be very tight-lipped, just like Game of Thrones. They're going to be super quiet and not tell us anything. Mm-hmm. So, but Abrams released a quote about the movie. So I'd like to read this verbatim, J.J. Abrams. I think that every movie is its own movie. And obviously, this is a trilogy. We brought to episode 9 all the passion and hard work that we, that we would have no matter what. So I think the story speaks for itself. I really, truly can't wait to he- for you to see it. Great. Yeah. Didn't tell us anything. <laughs> I'm just more excited as I was before. Nice, yeah, so, for sure. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if you have to say anything about that. I just figured this um, is something I care about, and I want you know I want episode more episode nine if I can. So I'm excited. I have no idea where they're gonna go with episode nine. Um, I think um, because of the Last Jedi, which I'm a fan of. I'm a fan of that movie, but I know it kind of has kind of splintered the Star Wars fan- fandom a little bit. So I'm just hoping. However, episode nine goes like we can all kind of come together with our love of Star Wars again. Um, I'm hoping that I know I'm gonna like it, but I'm just hoping that the Last Jedi haters like it too. I guess if that makes sense. So. I think I, I think it's gonna clean. St- so I'm hope what I have what I have hopes for the episode nine is we'll go back to the original trilogy. Everyone people had problems with Empire Strikes Back. They really did. And then after you receive Return of the Jedi. And you go back and watch Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes is Empire Strikes Back is like the fan favorite. So, what I have a feeling is going to happen is is that, and I'm not saying that Last Jedi is going to become a fan favorite. I think what's going to happen is Episode Nine is going to come out and everyone's going to love it, but it's going to enhance Last Jedi more than it is, and people are going to see it in a light that they didn't see it before, and they're going to understand. Yeah. So that's what I have. That's what I'm hoping happens. Same so, here. Yeah. You know, um. And finally, news-wise, X-Men trailer. Yeah. X-Men, the Dark Dark Phoenix trailer released today. It's awesome. Yeah, we just watched it before the episode, and I'm pretty excited. It's I think it looks awesome. great. It's, uh, the trailer has, like, a real weight that it carries with it, oh, and it kind of, like... And Sophie Turner just, man, she's a good actress. And just those clips. Yeah. And I love that, uh, the trailer really throws down that the main conflict of this movie, and I could be wrong because I haven't seen the movie yet, but it seems the main conflict is going to be an internal struggle with Jean Grey and, like, kind of her 
internal conflict with all the power she has and what she should do with it, how she should wield this power. And I think like an internal struggle is really, really fun to watch, really interesting, and something we don't get a lot with comic book movies. No, so not at all. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, I'm just, it's based on just that trailer, because now that's like an actual lengthy trailer story-wise, I mean, we all knew it was about the Dark Phoenix, because the movie's titled Dark Phoenix, but this just looks cool. Mm-hmm. So I know people, I don't want to say too much, because people think trailers are spoilers. <laughs> um, however, if you are like at all interested in this movie and really want to like, just, if you just need a taste of X-Men right now, go watch the Dark Phoenix trailer. It's awesome to see uh, Magneto back, too, because in Apocalypse, wasn't he just kind of, like, hanging out with the, with his family somewhere or something? Or... He was, but he was a part of the big story. Oh, see, I can't he, remember. Apoc- uh, well, Magneto but... became one of the horsemen. Oh, okay, right. Um, and then, no, the, conf- the, the movie, like, moved on the way it needed yeah. to move on. I guess so. um, I felt like this movie made it seem as Magneto is a little bit more of a bigger bad in this movie than in Apocalypse. So. And and maybe. And yeah. Michael Fassbender is just really owning the character right now, and it's great. <clears throat> so, yeah. Um, all right. You ready to do the list? Sounds great. All right. yeah. We are talking way long, so I think everyone knows <laughs> what that means. It's time to run the top five list. So here we go. Woohoo! for the top five okay so this was your list yes. i'll let you tell everyone what this was <coughs> and then we'll move on um i went to a arcade recently and uh arcades are awesome and i had a good time and i thought it'd be fun to uh talk about our top five favorite arcade uh games and i almost said movies just because it rolls off the tongue so well but our top five favorite arcade games and maybe uh, why we like them and maybe even some memories we have with those games. So, um, All right. Well, I guess I got to go first, don't I? Do you I? have was... honorable mentions? I have a honorable mention. Okay. I have two. I don't know if it, you'd rather have me start. Uh, no, I'll just go first because okay. that's the rules we set <laughs> by. Um, so my first honorable mention is Star Wars Pod Racer. Okay, nice. Um, this is a I'm game. I'm trying to remember if I've played this. This is or a not. game that you can get on like the Nintendo 64. That's what it, like eventually it released for that console. Right. But Star Wars: The Pod Racer. It was one of those racing games where you actually sat in the Star Wars Pod Racer, like you sat in the yeah. unit itself, and you had to drive it the way they drive it in the movie. Um, so even though it was technically a game I could play on a console, the arcade version was amazing. And you're yeah, Googling I've, pictures I've of actually it right now. played it. Okay. Now that I've seen it, I've play, played this. I don't know how I could forget it because the uh, cockpit that you sit in for the game is literally like Anakin. It's pie, literally pie the pod racer. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so that's I, that's it's an honorable mention. I don't know a lot to say for so. sure. Um, so my first honorable mention is uh, Primal Rage. Um, so this game is it's basically like prehistoric monsters fighting each other. So you've got your raptors t-rexes like giant gorillas it all takes place in like a prehistoric time and uh this game is honestly not the best fighting game as far as gameplay like it's some of the controls are a little like stiff and off but what i really appreciate about this game is that it was kind of like super nintendo level graphics and it kind of has a um aesthetic that's very akin to the old ray harryhausen movies like uh 
you know, like Jason and the Argonauts and uh, right. Clash of the Titans, and you really get the feel of like an old school, like stop motion animated uh, movie like that within the game. So that's I mostly appreciate the art and design and animation in this one. Sure. So. Okay, what was your uh, oh next? right? Yeah, two, <laughs> uh, two honorable mentions. Yeah. So. so the next one is totally like it sounds so dumb, but I just had to do it because. This game's primarily a mobile game, but I've played it many times at the arcade, and I always have a blast doing it, and that is Fruit Ninja. <laughs> so, like... Fruit Ninja. Yeah. Uh, you've played okay. Fruit Ninja, right? Yes, Where yes. Swipe, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You but... swiped the screen and cut the fruit. I mean, this is primarily <laughs> this is a mobile basic... game, but they do have them in Dave and & Buster's and yeah. stuff like that. I just think this game's a blast to play. What's it called? Fruit Ninja. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Sorry. For some reason, I thought... I thought you were saying it's like Fruit Ninja, and I missed the No, title. no, I sorry, sorry. Yeah, it, it's totally... Uh, so Fruit Ninja is totally my pick, and I just, like... I think it's really fun to play, even though in the arcade it's a giant, gross screen that, you know, kids have drooled and sneezed over. I still want to swipe that screen and cut those fruits, so <laughs> right. that's my next one. Awesome. All right, well, that runs us into <laughs> the actual five. Um, so my first pick is X-Men, the arcade game. Okay, awesome. Now this is predicated on the 90s version of the X-Men, so from the 90s television series. Um, so everyone's favorite characters, Wolverine, Colossus, Professor X, Magneto, Nightcrawler, Rogue, like Storm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, this game was one where like four people could play together, and you're basically just beating up Sentinels and bad guys and going through a story. Um, this format for arcade games they had a simpsons one like it they had a ninja turtles one like it they yeah. had dungeons and dragons one like it they had like all these different variants that followed basically the same format mm-hmm. but the x-men one was just one of the coolest ones just because i want to play with these characters not that i didn't want to play like ninja yeah. turtles or whatever but and um i think the x-men i think uh capcom had like the rights to all like the marvel games back in the day like yeah. that and uh they just put a lot of work into the animation and art, like the old X-Men games, and then they did, like, they branched into fighting games where you had, like, X-Men versus Street Fighter, and that eventually led into Marvel versus Capcom, but all those games have beautiful animation in yeah. them, too, so. Yeah, no, that was um, just, the X-Men one is just really cool, um, and yeah, playing with the four players, um, I always wanted them to re-release it because they, on Xbox, years ago, they released the Ninja Turtles arcade game for Xbox Live, and you could play online with up to four people. Yeah. And what was weird about it is that we got through it in twenty minutes. Yeah, exactly. Like if they're not long game. They're not long games yeah. if you had the time to do it. But when you're in arcade, you got to pump money into the thing. Yeah. So I don't actually know how far so I. So twenty really... minutes could be five to ten bucks, maybe depending on how exactly. good you are. And you don't think about it. So. Yeah. Um, that actually can lead pretty well into my next pick, which is uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game. So. This, hey, um, we technically we just <laughs> talked about it. So <laughs> this is a game that uh, I've played in arcades before. I think it's a really fun game. Uh, but I think my best, my favorite memories of it are when it went on Xbox Live and playing with uh, groups of my friends. And I think it's just such a funny, or not funny. It's such a fun beat 'em up style game. But it's in that familiar Ninja Turtles uh, world that. Pretty much everybody from my generation, I feel like, has a fondness for them. And it's just one of those games where every time you play it or even see the arcade cabinet, you kind of get a smile on your face. Uh, My favorite aspect of this game, I really think, was the uh, 
level where you, um, I think it was a skateboarding level where you're skateboarding down the street. Like every character's got a skateboard, but you're still fighting off foot, foot uh, ninjas and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I think that was just really fun to actually have the skateboarding level in a beat em up game. So, all right, right on. Um, okay, so my next one is man, I don't know which one to talk about. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with the original Donkey Kong. Nice. We actually matched this one. Oh, nice. Yeah. I was I was actually wondering, and then I was like, I bet we don't match any of these. Um, so the original Donkey Kong, everybody knows Donkey Kong. Everyone knows basically that you've probably seen it. If you haven't seen the if you haven't played the arcade, which I'd be surprised about, everyone's at least seen it in an arcade room somewhere. Um, I I was never really good at it, and I never really took the time to play it. Until I saw the movie King of Kong. I <laughs> say, yeah, um, that's and, an awesome. And if movie. you don't know the movie King of Kong, you really should go check this out. It is basically, a, it's it's kind of like a documentary slash biopic, yeah. slash true story movie about the history of the arcade. But it's primarily focused on Donkey Kong and the World Championships of the players who make the Guinness Book of World Records for being the champions yeah. of Donkey Kong. Um, but at the end of the movie, I've never wanted to go play Donkey Kong more. <laughs> um, and I was in an arcade recently. There's an arcade near my house where it's one of those arcades where you pay at the door. Like, you pay a fee at the yeah. door, and then everything's free to play. So you don't have to pump money into the thing. So, like, you could sit and just play in a game for, like, an hour and, you know. So I sat down at the Donkey Kong board because I'm like, oh, I can play Donkey Kong Unlimited right now. Let's do it. <laughs> and I got, like... Four levels in, when I say four levels, like you have to play X number of levels and then you get like a bonus stage and then you play X number of levels and you get a bonus stage. So I got up to the fourth bonus stage in the time that I sat there playing. Yeah. I don't know how high it goes, um, but I got way farther than I ever thought I could. So Yeah. Um, I love this game. I think, uh, so first of all, King of Kong is awesome. Definitely check that out because it'll really get you pumped up. Like it's actually kind of like a motivating movie, even if your goals in life have nothing to do with arcade games. Like it just <laughs> makes you want to go do something awesome. But uh, the other thing is like Donkey Kong has a couple things I love. One thing I really love is the uh, it's a platformer, but it's kind of this. It's a certain kind of platformer where it's just like single screen. You can see every platform on the screen, but you have to jump you know, jump through different platforms, dodging barrels and, you know, different obstacles, but you can see everything on the screen. And it's actually, um, it, sorry, I'm kind of scatterbrained, but it's kind of, uh, it influenced another one of my favorite games that was on our, uh, grandpa's old computer, which is, was Downland that had oh, very, right, very yeah. similar gameplay to, uh, Donkey Kong, but it was essentially like Donkey Kong meets Indiana Jones, I'd say, where you're yeah. a little guy, you know, jumping through uh, cave platforms and climbing ropes and, uh, you know, getting little treasures and stuff in a cave. But it's a very, very similar gameplay to Donkey Kong. So I always assumed it was like kind of stole that uh, gameplay. So yeah. I really love that. And then this game just, of course, also inspired uh, all the Mario games after that. Like this is the first Mario It's like game, this is where so. Mario came from. Exactly. You know, so, so. Um, yeah. All right. Well, we matched on Donkey Kong. Sweet. Uh, moving on. Um, I'm going to go with R-Type. Okay. Do this you know, sounds familiar, but yeah, I don't is, know if I've ever played R-Type is a side-scrolling spaceship game. Okay. Where you just, you're a spaceship, you're trying to dodge stuff and shoot things down. I 
in terms of arcade, I, I was never really good at it. You can't get really far. It's very it's a very difficult arcade game. But I always liked the side scrolling spaceship yeah. arcade games, and you're just dodging stuff and shooting down the bad guys, um, <laughs> and it's in outer space. So yeah, yeah. Fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, fun stuff. I always liked those games. <coughs> I don't have a lot to say about it because if you're sitting if you're sitting there listening to this going, Oh, I know R type, cool. If you don't, you've probably played a game very similar to it. Oh yeah. It's probably a mobile game. You can you could probably get the mobile game on your phone <laughs> if you really wanted to check it yeah. out and see what I'm talking about. So. Or you'll type in R type and it'll have some sort of R type clone that you can play. But right. I love those games too. I don't think I've ever played that one specifically, but I think those that style of gameplay is yeah. always a good time. Um I can go on with my list. Um, I have a couple that are just very old school uh, arcade games in line with Donkey Kong. Hey, our uh, type is it's on the App Store. So oh, nice. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead. So the next one on my list is actually Asteroids. Um, this is a classic arcade game. Um, we used to have a game on our old on this old Macintosh computer that our dad owned called uh, Continuum. Continuum. And Continuum, I never knew this, but the gameplay of that game is very similar to Asteroids. Very how much. You, uh, how you control the ship in the game is very similar, and uh, except in that game you could actually fly through levels and you could actually make your own levels. Asteroids, you're just on a screen and there are asteroids coming at you, bombarding you, and you have to destroy all the asteroids before you're sent off to the next level. Yeah. Um, I really just enjoy this gameplay. I think it's a very good, like, concise sort of, like, if you want to think of, like, a really concise, simple handheld, like, game that could be a handheld or, like, single-player game, I think Asteroids kind of fits that bill. Um, I also have, like, a pretty fun memory of uh, going to an arcade with uh, one of my friends and uh, his older brother and his older brother's friends, and uh, I don't know how it led to this in the night, but we all kind of by the end of the night we're huddled around this one asteroids game and i think it's because it was a very new arcade and uh the high scores for the asteroids game were very low so we were all kind of competing against each other for like who could get the top score in the asteroids game and that was just like a blast to me no pun intended so no anyways yeah um, <laughs> yeah uh what was that again sorry I just, uh, a- for as- asteroids yeah. that's what i thought you said um, yeah I asked I ask Peter again because I keep a running list so we always have everything uh, saved so if we have to reference back to a yeah. list. We're um, planning on uh, using, when the list is finalized, we're going to try to get it put onto a satellite or something and they send into space. So absolutely. absolutely. The, 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 the number of top, they're going to be like, these are top five lists of what? <laughs> um, <laughs> at any rate, so uh, my next pick is... My second to last pick is Mortal Kombat. Nice. And when I say that, I'm referring to the original Mortal Kombat that would later become Mortal Kombat 2, Mortal Kombat 3. I've, in terms of fighting games, this is this is my favorite of the fighting game franchise. I'm not a big fighting game fan because mm-hmm. I eventually want more of the story. But I got really sucked into the story of Mortal Kombat in terms of the, all the characters' backstories, the reasons why they're there, yeah. why they're fighting, all this stuff. I got really into the idea of it. And I started reading all the lore and stuff. But what I do remember about the Mortal Kombat is it hit big. I mean, big time for arcades and that kind of thing. What's interesting about it is I never... Once Mortal Kombat hit the arcades, whether it be Mortal Kombat 1, 2, 3, and I don't know when they stopped making the arcades, but um, 
you couldn't go to an arcade, you couldn't pass an arcade without a massive line <laughs> of people waiting yeah. to play Mortal Kombat. And it seemed to be a winner stays kind of a thing. So one guy would be playing, as soon as you lost, the next person stepped up. Yeah. You know, so, and there was always someone who just owned everybody and, you know. Yeah, it's like, there was a time in like the early 90s, I don't know what specifically like year span it was, but Mortal Kombat was like the game and it was like everybody's favorite right. game and it's... It was just like, and really it was a game cool. your parents didn't want you to play. Oh yeah, so everyone had to play it. Yeah, like it was it's... it was like this edgy thing where like it had it was super violent and stuff, and you probably weren't allowed to watch movies with that amount of violence, but you could go to your friend's house who had Mortal Kombat and see people rip each other's heads off and right. stuff like that. Right. So definitely a classic pick. I think that's really yeah. awesome. So uh, so yeah, so Mortal Kombat, nice. Yeah. Um, so my next pick is uh, another extremely simple game, but a game that I really love is near and dear to my heart, uh, Pac-Man. So like this is like you think arcade game. This is like the first one you think of. Um, it's kind of a gimme, but I love this game. I think it's like a really it's another one where it's really concise, simple gameplay, but it's very addictive. Like it's very simple. All you have is the joystick and you're going around this maze, but it's also really addictive. Um, and I just think it's like. It's one of those things where if I go to an arcade, this is usually the first game I go to. Um, I recently, the arcade that I was at uh, a couple weeks ago when I suggested this list had a version of this game I'd never played called Super Pac-Man. Have you okay. ever played this? No. That game threw me for a loop. So when you play Pac-Man, usually you're just eating dots, you know? You're trying to eat all the dots on the screen before you can go to the next level. In Super Pac-Man, there's only fruit. So, like, in the regular Pac-Man, there's, like, a fruit will show up randomly, right. and you get extra points if you eat that. In this game, it's all fruit, and all of the fruit are hidden behind doorways, and you have to go around the maze and collect keys that open the doorways. So there's oh. no way to, like, win without catching all the keys, and then you have to eat all the fruit. Um, and then there's other things, you, like, there's this one really big dot that you can eat, and you... Enlarged size, you got you become an enlarged size. And okay, I've seen everything. the I've seen the enlarged Pac-Man. I yeah. thought it was just a joke. I didn't realize it was a real. Yeah, thing, yeah. So, so that's okay. that's from Super Pac-Man. That game was really fun. It totally threw me for a loop. I think, in terms of things, I'm just really attracted to the classic uh, version of Pac-Man. But I know it's like such an obvious pick, but I just had to pick it because I really do enjoy that cool. game a ton. So cool. All right. Well, my final pick for the night is a is a Star Wars Arcade. Nice. <laughs> I had a really strong feeling this would make your list. Um, this and when I say Star Wars Arcade, there's some there's a there's a currently a new <coughs> Star Wars Arcade out right now. Okay. I don't know. I have not played it. I have not seen it. It sounds like it's one of those like booth arcade games um i i don't know much about that one but this is an older one that surfaced mid to late 90s um i saw it in movie theaters and stuff had to check it out it was really like a joystick and then like some buttons um, yeah and it wasn't like a linear story you just played moments from yeah the movies like you'd play the battle of the first death star and you'd have to fly in you'd have to fly the x-wing in and blow up the death star and then you'd have to do a lightsaber duel with darth vader and then you'd do another flight through an asteroid field maybe with the falcon i want to say there to, like, was there a, were the, it was just moment after moment after moment there was I, no story stuff it was just play these sections of yeah. the movie the three i think i feel like i remember really strongly is uh death star and then there's the lightsaber battle and then i think there was the battle of hoth where you were a snow speeder like yeah. i want to 
lightsaber. And then there was, was a there was a lightsaber duel where you had to fight Boba Fett, and he basically flew around, and you had to oh yeah, that's awesome. yeah. stuff like that. I don't know. It was just awesome <coughs> because this took this game came out during the dark times. <laughs> yeah, and it was just Star Wars, and people just wanted Star Wars before they announced that they were making new movies. Was this game like current with like the? Uh, Special editions, maybe like when they were no. Released, this was or... definitely before special. Really? Editions. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, the graphics are what were what they could have been, and it was cool. And but it wasn't. I mean, we just wanted more Star Wars, so yeah, that was just a way of getting it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I remember they had this arcade game had a massive cabinet. I think it had like this giant seat you would sit in, and then you had like you're like you're saying there's a joystick and a couple buttons. But when you think of like translating a lightsaber fight to a joystick that you hold like there's a big like gap there but i think overall the game did a really good job of it and it was just like really attractive and cool like you see that game and you're just like oh i have to play that right now so (laughs) definitely awesome pick so yeah um moving on to my last one then i guess okay so my last one is a uh rail shooter game it's one of those games where you hold the gun and you shoot at what's on the screen and the screen has a designated path it takes you through. So you go through doorways or whatever, and you stop somewhere, and you have to shoot all the I feel like animals. I know what you're going to say, but what, go ahead. Yes, I'm I curious. I figured you were going to say House of the Dead. I was actually going to say House of the Dead too, but yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I love all the House of the Dead games. I love uh, shooting zombies. Uh, this made my short list, and it really made me wonder if I should put it on my list. Yeah. But I feel like the first House of the Dead is good, but it's very... Um, you fight a lot of the same type of creatures and you go through a lot of the same landscapes. So it kind of is a little more tedious. And I think house of the dead two is just kind of universally recognized as like when that franchise stepped it up a notch and made this really exciting arcade game. Um, I actually got into these games like a little more recently. Um, one of my favorite memories of playing this game is, uh, I went to a Sega GameWorks location once and they had, House of the Dead, and uh, if anybody's been to a GameWorks, you know that if you're over the age of 21, you're allowed to walk around with a adult beverage <laughs> and uh, play arcade games if you want. And uh, me and one of my friends both had a uh, beer in our hand, and we hung out at House of the Dead too. and uh, we were basically, they had like these big rifle guns that you would hold and shoot everybody on the screen, and we were basically doing the uh, paintball uh, stance with it where you hold the gun with one hand, and then you have your middle finger just tucked into the trigger hole, but you're not holding onto the gun, and you're just wiggling that trigger back yep. and forth to shoot as fast as possible. And every time we had to reload, we would just cock the gun against our chest and shoot <laughs> as fast as possible. And every time there was a break in the game, we would grab our beverage and chug it as fast as we could. And it was just like a blast playing that. So that's why that ended up being at the top of my list. So Right. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Um, that wraps it up pretty that wraps much. Yeah. It up. So here's, this is kind of a goofy thing for people like that enjoy keeping up with the lists and we go from week to week trying to figure out what we're doing next because, you know, we announce a list and like, oh, that's what they're talking about next week. So this is going to be weird. Um, we The Oscars are over and I said we were going to do the top five 2018 movies after the Oscars were over. Um, but we have to wait because Peter's going to disappear <laughs> on us for a couple weeks because he's got a baby coming. So we're going to save 2018. <coughs> um, so I want to ask you, I had a pick for tonight or the first episode back we can do 2018. What do you think? 
Um, I'm gonna let that be your call because you're the one going away, and then when you get back, we could make that the very first pick. We could make that the very first list. It does. So you had another pick. I had another idea. Which one do you think builds the most anticipation? Uh, the 2018. Okay, fair enough. So here's all right. So let's go with that. So when we get back from when when Peter comes back from his baby vacation, <laughs> um, which will only be a few weeks. We will do our top five favorite movies from 2018, and we're going to reference back to the episode where we did our 2018 yeah. thus far movie. Episode so it was one, the yeah. very first episode we recorded. We're going to go back and look at that to see what we chose versus what you know what we chose, what we liked then, compared to how it looks at the end of the year. So when you get back, 2018, and here's the catch. It's a year, so you have to rank it. Yep, sounds right. great. So that give, and that gives you some time to think. You get to really like muster in. You might have a chance to watch another movie or two in there. Same with me, because I, I, am, I, I haven't I, gotten a chance to watch Vice yet. So I haven't put it together, but I'm pretty sure my list is going to be very different than the first episode. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> so this is a this is a reference point. So very cool. Um, with that being said, since Peter is disappearing, um, am I going to be doing a top five list while he's gone? Yes and no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have things planned, so uh, you will get to see in the coming episodes how we work things out. Um, we might be doing top five lists that Peter might have to revisit because he yeah. won't be around for them. But I, I want to, you know. I kind of say just go for it and do any list you want, but I might really like the list you do, and I might be like, well, I'm going to put together my list for it. We might even be able to release it as a, uh, a like, five-minute bonus episode a, or right, something exactly. like that. So, well, with that being said, I was thinking about bringing on a couple guests. Okay, when that's I awesome. When I do that, lists I was thinking of is a guest I bring on while you're gone, I might say, you pick the list on the spot or bring okay. it, you know, and I nice. have to answer it. So, we... There's some details I haven't worked out yet, but so the listeners know we're still having episodes. It's going to be some different people on. You're going to hear some different voices. So, um, yes, we'll, we're working and we'll move in that direction. So enjoy your baby vacation. I will <laughs> assume you're not here next week. And for some reason, if the baby is super late and you want to come next week, <laughs> your seat will always yeah, be here for you. For sure. Um, yeah. So uh, you will find out who my guest is next week for sure next week. Um, <laughs> nice. I'll say I'll keep all that quiet for now. Um, so with that being said, as we close this out, as Peter comes down to his final episode for his little break, um, check us out at top5report.com. There you will find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with our email address, top5report at gmail.com. Um, subscribe to us on iTunes, because if you do, you will not miss a single episode. And leave us a five-star review or a written review. We love the five-star reviews, but written reviews <laughs> really help us. Not only because it helps us get better, but it makes the words we say sound important. So with that being said, uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter. I am at Drew3927. Peter? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, uh, reading stuff. I don't post a lot of stuff, but sometimes yeah, I, I do. So. I, I post very seldomly, <laughs> yeah. but you can get catch me on Twitter as well. So, um, so for the Top 5 Report, <coughs> I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Sweet. <laughs>